Hello and welcome to another episode of the Seeing Red Podcast. As always, I'm your host, J to the OE, Joseph Amanzada, aka Stalin Iverson. Just really quickly before we get into all the stuff involving your Calgary Flames, just want to give you a, uh, a brief housekeeping update. We have recently switched podcast distributors. We've teamed up with Anchor, as you could probably tell by that little ad that ran before the episode. Get used to that because we're going to be playing some ads before the podcast pretty regularly here now. We're very excited to team up with Anchor. What that means for you guys is you can check us out on Spotify, which has been a big one for us. We've been missing that uh, avenue of distribution, and we're very happy that we're finally on there. In addition to that, we're on Google Podcasts, and of course, you can still catch us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If you've been listening to us that way, uh, it's not going to skip a beat. You're still going to be able to do so in that capacity. All this means is that we're opening up a a new distribution avenue for those who can't. Uh, without further ado, I'll get right into the introductions. Fresh off a Wendy's JBC with no bun because he cannot eat wheat, but is in fact bringing the heat. Matt Goob, how's it going? Oh, feeling way better now. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Nice full tummy, hey? Full uh, two pieces of lettuce, some bacon, and uh, some quote-unquote cheese. You know, between all of that, I think you got a good balanced meal, like every major food group. Tick, That's tick, right. Tick, down the list. Yeah, I think uh, I'm expecting big things out of you as a feeling result. Feeling good, yeah. The man making the magic happen, the man pushing the buttons, the dude who's already cut me off twice because we just can't seem to get this thing completely off the ground, the Adam McKay to my Christian Bale. Happy Oscar season, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Cody Dickinson, how's it going? What's good? How are you? You know, I'm I'm just trying to process that producer. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, I don't know, is Adam McKay a director or a producer? I've never heard of Adam McKay. Okay, so Adam McKay has made two of my favorite movies now. Uh, he made The Big Short. Oh, didn't he also make Step Brothers? I'm pretty sure Adam McKay directed Step Brothers. No idea. And no, uh, yeah. he just most recently did Vice, which I think should win every Oscar in the world because it's really good. So he's not the dude that Christian Bale freaked out about the lighting guy, was it? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. The, maybe. Yeah. Adam McKay seems like a pretty good dude. I can't. I've heard a, an interview with him on a different podcast, and so I thought maybe he I, that doesn't seem like it's in his character. You know, director, producer, screenwriter, comedian, and actor. Ooh, wow. what a talented man. Honestly, yeah, that's high praise for you, Cody. Good luck living up to that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be very, very disappointed with that. Nice. Oh, uh, wow, this guy directed Anchorman. I'm all in. Anchorman, yeah, that's the one. That's the one, yeah. He's he's honestly super mega talented, and if you haven't seen Vice yet, go check it out. It's fucking wicked. Now, enough movie talk. Let's talk about why we're all here, the Calgary Flames, who uh, are sneaky hot right now, 1-4 straight. After slumping for a little bit through February, uh, but that's not my job to tell you about that. It's Matt Goob to bring you the flagship segment, whose naming rights are still available. Anchor doesn't own it quite yet. Ruslan Slay the Land. I think I might reach out to Ruslan Slay himself <laughs> and see if he's interested in just like taking control of uh, our little State of the Union segment. That'd be tight. Ruslan Slay, if you're listening to this, by some <laughs> miracle, by some act of God, we'd love to have you on the show. Oh, yeah. Guest spot for sure. Okay, so last week, we, uh, we're a three-game homestand. We beat the Coyotes at home on Monday, 5-2. to two. Then we beat the Islanders at home on Wednesday, 4-2. to two. And then on Friday, we beat the Ducks 2-1. to one in like was a fairly close game. Uh, tonight, Sunday, we are at the Ottawa Senators. Big trade deadline implications. Big time. Uh, and then we continue the road trip at the Islanders, and then at the Devils on a back-to-back. Yep. And then uh, Saturday, Minnesota Wild at the Saddle Dome. Back of the crib. The Jerome McGinley jersey retirement. Hell yeah. Can't wait for that. So uh, I guess starting with the Coyotes game, we talked about last episode, like, do you keep Mike Smith going as his old team? Mm-hmm. 
he played solid. Uh, puck handling continues to be an issue. If you watch the Ducks game on Friday, the one goal they scored was like a pizza up the middle, right to the <laughs> other team. Like I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't get what he's trying to accomplish with that and why he refuses to just like let I, it go. I know we've probably addressed it in previous episodes, but I've heard that a lot of the goalie handling the puck is a coaching thing. Like Jordan Sigler. It seems like it. Yeah. He wants the goalies to go out there and play the puck. And I think uh, the true, a true barometer of how good a coaching staff is, is its ability to adapt and play to the strengths of its players uh, while still maintaining, you know, their identity. And if Mike Smith wants to play the puck every now and then, because that's a thing he has, that's cool. But I, I'm not all right with him also forcing it on Dave Riddich, where that's like never really been his thing. Not I, that I know yeah, of. Yeah, and Dave is like trying to play the puck because Jordan Sigalette's like, yo, play the fucking puck. I agree because I like it was a between periods quick interview with Mark Giordano, but they talked about like bringing Smith, getting him run as opposed to Riddich. Do you notice any differences? And his big thing was like, oh yeah, having Mike Smith back there, it's like having another defenseman. It makes our life easier with the breakout passes. And I'm just like, really? Is that <laughs> what like the video evidence would show? I just, can you think of a goal all season where it was like Mike Smith makes an awesome breakout pass to Springs, like a two-on-one? I thought, I thought he had an assist the other night. Cody, could you just really quickly, if you can, see uh, if you can find how many assists Mike Smith has on the year? Because I think he got an assist the other day. But like, I would put his own. But over. like, that's one. I, th- I think he has like four points on the season. Hang on. That's crazy. That's like James Neal numbers, man. He's getting there. Oh, man. <laughs> But, like, even in the Ducks game, so he has the, like, horrible giveaway. But then we were on the penalty kill, and they, like, shot it, and he caught it. And then, like, kicks out and, like, looks like as if he's going to drop it and pass it. And I'm like, on the fucking penalty kill, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and he, he didn't. Like, he, like, decided to cover it up. But, like, why is that your instinct to, like, maybe, like, drop this and fling it down the ice? I don't know, man. Like, I, don't know. I think conventional wisdom, maybe I'm old-fashioned. Should say on the PK if you have the puck, just, just freeze that shit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And then let the let the professionals handle the puck. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we could talk to her blue in the face about Mike Smith's deficiencies, and we kind of have on this podcast. But what I was gonna say is he's had four straight starts now, hasn't he? I believe Between so. Between Pittsburgh, Phoenix, the Isles, and the Ducks, he was in last night or two nights ago. Yeah. So it's his longest run of the year. Totally. And it's four wins. And I know the numbers aren't particularly great, but one thing, just to, to anecdotally refer back to that Mark Giordano story, if his team feels comfortable with him between the pipes, and I guess, winning, you know, I don't know. And it could be one of those things, right, where like the Great. fans love Dave Riddich, but maybe, you know, our coaches and our captain and like, you know, the leaders of the team sit down with Gio and Monahan and say, who do you guys want to start? And maybe they both all say Mike Smith way better. Maybe he's better in practice, better communicator, like something on the ice that we can't see. So two things there that I wanted to address. One is this whole notion of all the Flames fans loving Dave Riddich, right? Everyone loves Dave Riddich because everyone loves the backup goalie, right? Totally. That's that's always been the thing. And he came into this year as the backup goalie, got hot, kind of won the job over Mike Smith. He's like the struggling starter. I don't blame anybody for, uh, you know, preferring Dave to Mike Smith. Cody, do you have it up? Uh, Mike Smith assists. Yeah. He's got three. He's got three. There you go. So, yeah, James, you'll eat your heart out, man. Uh, and then the second thing is to bring it back to the whole, uh, you know, talking to the, the guys who actually run the locker room. Yeah. Craig Conroy came out today outwardly and was like, we're fine with our goaltending situation. We're not uh, addressing it at all at the trade deadline. We like our dudes. And to me, that 
in light of Mike Smith going these four games with four wins and not giving up, I guess against Pittsburgh, he gave up a bajillion goals. But since then, he's, he's figured it out. That, to me, uh, is obviously indicative of Mike Smith maybe being a little bit better than he's shown this year. And you know, I feel like he's getting back there. to just like career average Mike Smith, which isn't necessarily a game breaker. Like he maybe had one or two seasons where he was like a Vezina candidate guy. Yeah. But for the most part, he's just like, not great, not bad. He's just like, you know, you win or die by other players on the team. Totally. And which you, is better than he was earlier in the season. Yeah. But, but like, I was just going to pull up this, the shot total from the Islanders game. If you didn't watch, I think it was 26 to 7 or 26 to 8 at the end of the second oh, period. that's right. So, like, sure, Mike Smith lets, gives up two goals and we feel like that's fine. Like a 2-0-0 GAA. Like, what a great. <laughs> but, like, if it's on 12 shots, like... Is, is that that good? Or could we find a huge pile of guys to give up two goals on 12 shots for us? Totally. Uh, I totally agree you're coming from there. Uh, Sorry. It ended up being 19. There was a point where he let in two goals on eight shots. Two on eight? Is that what it was? Like, wow. So anyways, if you didn't watch the game, the Flames controlled the puck. We played great. Like yep. we were never really in doubt. Uh-huh. But so yeah, like Cody said, two goals on eight shots. Like, come on. Anyways, I guess what I'm... This is all point to your point of he's hot four wins in a row but like is he hot Mm -hmm. or is he just stopped letting in horrific muffins lets in the odd like puck handling buffoon goal tell you what i don't know closing it out against the ducks you know you end up winning 2-1 at home against a team that historically like has had your lunch money right that's you know he might he might be finding his stride and if dave riddich's run this year is any indication of how goalies play like they get hot if mike smith is hot right now that's kind of okay with me. And if you want to run both of them and like just let them feed off each other, make it a real competition for the job. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of bodes well for everybody, especially since they've outwardly been like, we're not chasing a goalie. I don't mind that position either because as we've looked at like all the pending UFAs, the goalie market is either guys who have like never played more than 15 games in a season. So you're not going to play him in the playoffs mm-hmm. or Sergei Bobrovsky, who's going to cost you two first round picks and like $8 million for eight years to resign. Yep. I don't think there's a real like yeah, it, good target for the Flames, so I don't mind Craig Conroy like backing up. You want to show confidence, especially if you're not going to bring anyone in mm-hmm. and say, it's not because we don't like any of the trade chips. It's because we love our goaltending. <laughs> like Whether that's true or not, I, I don't mind yep. the vote of confidence. For With sure. that being said, four games in a row, who do you play tonight in Ottawa? I think you go, oh man, that's With, tough. Fully, I think- you know when you have a back-to-back coming up, Two days later. I think you go Dave Riddich today and then, oh man, I don't know. Because four straight, that's a lot, right? For a goalie, especially like the whole 1A, 1B. And he hasn't played four straight all year. So like if this is five games in like whatever it is, eight eight days, nine days. Yeah. That's like the most workload Mike Swift had all season. I don't know if that worries you or not. I think you think uh, maybe like the Senators are bad. So if, I don't know, that's tough for me. The Senators are bad. Yeah. And presumably, uh, even if they haven't traded, well, I guess the deadline is tomorrow at, what do we say? 1 p.m. Mountain? Yeah, 1 p.m. Mountain. So the deadline will have passed. So there's no sitting players to keep them healthy. Like, if they're on the team, they're on the team for good now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we used to, like, want Mike Smith to have the cupcake matchups. Yeah. But maybe you give Dave this one uh-huh. because you want him to keep his confidence so you can have two, quote-unquote, hot goalies. Right. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It really depends on whether you want Mike Smith to me, whether you want Mike Smith to be like your goalie moving forward or you think you've earned it moving forward. Yeah. Because then I would go, you go Mike Smith today. 
Mike Smith tomorrow. Dave gets the token on the second of the back-to-back. Yeah. And then you go Mike Smith, fresh as a daisy, back at home for J.I. Knight. I guess. I don't know. I I would hate to go all in on Mike Smith, not from a playing perspective, but from like a Riddich has played his ass off this year. Yep. Sure. No like he it. played like maybe two bad starts and then suddenly like Mike. Oh, Smith, my God. It's all. Yeah. Yeah. And then Smith get in. He like started winning. So we like, you know, left him like Riddich's last bad start was the lightning. And I don't think you can blame him. We just got like outclassed in that game. Yeah. It, it's funny. The Dave Riddich like full circle thing. And I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Uh, but we really are like the most fickle fan base probably ever. I know just existing in it. It's like, everyone's so mad with this first place fucking team. And I'm, I'm yo, I'm the ringleader of that. Right. I'm like, get James Neal the fuck out of here. Right. Instead of being like, yo, everyone is so good. Right. But, um, everything is fine. Yeah, I know. I, uh, like Andrew Mangiapane found money, played his way into a contract. Ain't that goop? He he is like we are gonna offer him a contract, and it's probably worth more than it would have been two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm not wrong. I'm not making this up. I know. No, he's he looks electric. He's great. I think uh, he might be pushing. I know I said this at the bar. He's gonna be pushing for a top six job next year. I think. I hope he is. I want yep. everyone pushing for that. Right. Yep. We're gonna have Dubé in camp next year. Yep. Like other dudes that are skilled probably bring back austin zarnik on another cheap deal and Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i like having hungry dudes oh man you want to talk about some bad flames okay i know we give me a hard time because i have no idea how fucking trades work but some dude actually i think it was it might have been a lady i'm not sure anyway a person on twitter was uh like okay austin zarnik oliver shillington and a first for mark stone i was like i (laughs) i love austin zarnik i think you're really overvaluing this guy yeah really nice depth piece i can't see them you know, going all in on Austin Zarnick. Well, like, he has been balling out lately. But the, actually, the bottom six of the Flames has been lit. Playing awesome. Michael Backlund, by the way, six points in his last four. He's heating up at the right time. And uh, Do you think that's because he's playing with Lindholm the last two games? Ooh, maybe. Right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Lindholm's, I, I've said it before, he's the most consistent guy on the team. I think they complement each other very well. Yeah. They both have speed and offensive, like, smarts, yeah. like, good positioning, but also good in their own end, which means you, like, the more you take the puck away, the more you have the puck. Mm-hmm. And I just like seems like that line just has the puck all the time. For the record, uh, I saw the lineups today at like the projected lineups at practice or whatever. Yep. And Lindholm is back with Goudreau and Monaghan. I think that's because Monaghan's been slumping a little bit. Yeah. And so I think they're going to try to rejuvenate that a little bit. Uh, really quickly, I know earlier we were talking when Johnny was like still scorching hot. Right. And was like within a shout of leaving the league in points. He's obviously since cooled down. That... Johnny was not only going to be the Art Ross winner, but maybe the Hart Trophy winner. Yeah. And this last month hasn't been kind to him. So now I want to reopen the discussion for Flames MVP. Is it Elias Lindholm? I think he's the most valuable player. If it is not, if it's not Elias Lindholm, I think it's Mark Giordano. I was going to say, as soon as like Gio, yeah. I think makes the biggest impact on the ice. Your in-house MVP. Yeah. And like Lindholm has games where he plays 18 minutes with like one shot on net and no points. Mm-hmm. But like Gio plays 25, like every night yep i can't think of a game where he like played bad where you're totally. like oh man geo killed us tonight like literally zero true true i He's think a just fucking rock. consistency is like one of the best yeah like attributes a player can have completely agree just thought i'd open up the discussion i'm not sure Elias lindholm gets enough love because he's been i would agree tremendous. with that yeah yeah i think his two-way play like everyone just loves backland and like oh fro leak such a good penalty killer but like mm-hmm. i think the defensive play of lindholm has been overshadowed especially because he was scoring so hot at the start that that gets all the 
I haven't have eyeballs. I haven't looked it up I, or in a while, but I think last time I looked, Lindholm was like second or third on the team in ice time and was first among forwards. And that speaks to like how versatile he is. Really? You want him out there all the time. Yeah, actually a big thing of like Garnett Hathaway recently going on the penalty kill yeah. is to limit Lindholm's minutes. It's like if in a perfect world where Lindholm is made of unobtainium or whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. You just ride him 30 minutes. Uh, but they're like, okay, we can't play you that long, obviously. I kind of buy that because previous versions of the Flames have had like our top two lines just be like our PP one and two <laughs> and then kill. penalty kill. Yeah. It was like our power play is like Backlund, Kachuk, Froelich and then our penalty kill is Kachuk, Froelich <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> if Froelich is in the box, then it will be Backlund. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't mind like... I don't love... I don't think Hathaway's as effective on the penalty kill as people think. Man, I actually think Hathaway's been balling out lately. He's just... Really? So, yeah, I think he looks good. I think that fourth line is... I'm actually hype every time the fourth line's out there. Derek Ryan playing his bag off. Derek Manjapane, Ryan's playing awesome. He is a fucking bulldog. Manjapane, as soon as he's on the ice, is going right for the net, and good shit happens when you go to the net, right? Totally. And Garnett Hathaway is just mean and annoying and tough to play against, and sure, he has his deficiencies, but it's not so much that it's hampering the line, and... He's a good penalty killer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. But, like, I'm thinking, so I know he doesn't, he's not all the time, but, like, Backland is still one of our, like, elite PK guys. Yep. I think Mark Jankowski is awesome on the penalty kill. Those big, long orangutan arms getting his stick in the passing lanes. Yep. Like, I don't know, Hathaway's probably, like, our fourth or fifth guy on the PK, which, like, for sure. is, like, important. You need a guy to play that role, but mm -hmm. I don't know if he's, like, a difference maker on the penalty kill. I think the silver lining in all this is knowing that the Flames have so many competent dudes who can go out there and kill penalties that Garnet Hathaway's job is to, like, eat shitty penalty kills in the regular season so that these guys can be fresh for the playoffs. I don't and mind. That to me, is good management. I don't buy, or I don't mind that take. Yeah. 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 That we are trying to keep our best players fresh. We have a three point lead on San Jose for first in the division and a game in hand. Mm -hmm. So call that like four ish points. Yeah. Tonight. I mean, you don't, you never want to count your chickens before they hatch, but I kind of think they're going to slaughter Ottawa. So yeah. yeah, call it five. Well, if you look at the upcoming schedule, yeah. Ottawa tonight. Isles, you just took their lunch money. Yeah. We just beat them pretty bad, but it's in New York and they're in like their first place team, I believe. New Jersey's not that good, and Minnesota's not that good. So you kind of look at this upcoming schedule as maybe like a get everyone healthy, yep. get the goalies right, kind of. Mm -hmm. And then I assume the schedule is like play division heavy down the stretch. I know we're like... Ed I know it's home heavy down the stretch for the players. Is it? Yep. Because yep. we're Edmonton, Anaheim, LA, I think, is like our last three games of the regular season. Okay. Not in that order, but Edmonton's the last game. Yep. But like tough division teams that tend to play physical... Edmonton, Edmonton looks bad, but they always play us tough for some reason. Man, say the Flames go into Ottawa, beat them, right? Yeah. Clean up Isles, Devils, and then I hope to God they win fucking J.I. night on Saturday, right? That would be, like, pretty disappointing that would be, if we didn't. Oh, that'd be so fucking funny because they're actually, the Flames, the organization's getting a lot of, of flack for scheduling it against the Wild, which is a team that uh, he has no ties with. Right. But uh, I remember seeing Mike Fail on Twitter. Shout out Mike Fail. Uh, mentioned something about uh, it just works for J.I. and his family on oh, yeah. that Saturday. And, like, that's why they picked it. But it would be, like, very flames if on top of that, like, the one night it works for Jerome McGillah, they also, like, shit down their leg at home. Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule. And it's like, we don't play the next Saturday. Then we're at Winnipeg. Man, March we play a lot. Holy then cow. we're at Vancouver. These are all Saturday games. But, like, you're obviously not going to do it on a road game. And I see why you'd want to do it on Hockey Night in Canada with CBC 
And then the the no last giggity. the last home Saturday game is Edmonton, yeah. the last game of the season where you have like other stuff going on. You probably don't want to do jersey retirement on game eighty two. Sure. So it was kind of like did not a great not a lot of opportunities. Yeah. So if Iggy was like happy with this one, I guess there's just like a bad we luck. Be cool with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyway, my point was, if the Flames clean up this next week, say they sweep it all across, right. you've now won eight straight, you're presumably probably at least five or six points ahead of the Senators, or uh, of the Sharks. Probably a few more ahead of the Senators, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely a few more than the Senators. God, that team's a dumpster fire. But you're looking at, like, maybe clinching, man. Another eight points, you have 83 right now. Clinching a playoff spot, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're getting close, man. You're getting warm. You might be You might be clinched by like the middle of the month. For the record, we are 18 points ahead of wild the second wild card. Man. Yeah. With uh 21 games left. Yeah. So you might you might be clinched by the end of the week. Yeah. And you might be I I guess 91 historically is like not a huge total, but I I feel like everyone's kind of shitty this year. So you might be clinched by the end of the week and you might have home ice by like the middle of the month. If you stay hot. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, then I actually don't know what happens then. I don't know if I've ever seen a Flames team. Never. And then we have to talk early. about a, a completely different strategy. It's like if you clinch home ice, you win your division or or you yeah. clinch home ice throughout. Do you start sitting dudes? Do teams do that? Like I know in the NFL, week 17 is like yeah. pretty commonly. And the NBA guys do it too, right? And the NHL, I feel like historically. I feel like I've seen like game 82. Yeah. Like the it's last like everyone's one. Everyone's called up. Everyone's sitting. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I don't know if people do that, like, a week ahead if you've just, like, clinched everything. Hey, Matt, I don't know either, right? Like, we, this team is terrible. Actually, from an actual league rule standpoint, if you make this cup finals, home ice is determined by who had more regular season points, right? I think it's regular season standing. And then the tiebreaker would be points. So, so if, if we if win our division and the other team did not win their division, we right. get home ice in but the finals? say we have less points than they would because we finished higher in our division or we, our seating was higher, yes, we would have the home ice. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's based off seating, not necessarily points. Right, because when they seeded them one through eight, it was just like, oh, you're the two seed, but the other team's the one seed. But now they don't really like do that. It's like kind of a bracket style. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Okay, cool. I think we'll uh, take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the trade deadline, the corresponding moves that have led up to it, and what the Flames are going to do moving forward. Hey Matt, I just picked up this fancy new Instagram thing, and while it's pretty cool with all the scantily clad ladies selling teeth whitening kits, I'm actually looking for some Flames content. You should check out the Seeing Red Instagram account. Hmm, Seeing Red Instagram account? I'm unfamiliar. It's full of Flames content, interactive polls, and funny jokes about us. Wow, that sounds great. You can find us at Seeing Red Podcast, as well as on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to start do our uh, seeing red trade deadline analysis, I guess. Uh, there have been a handful of trades. We're recording this on Sunday, I should say. So but if you listen to this Monday afternoon, everything could be different. But uh, we're just going to evaluate the trades that have already happened, kind of whether we like them, hate them, think the Flames should have done it, what it, how it impacts the Flames with a day and a half left before the deadline. Uh, so, Cody, just want to start by reading them out, and then we can kind of discuss them around the table. Yeah, so the first one up is uh, the Capitals uh, trading, or I guess the Kings trading Carl Hagelin uh, to the Capitals for a uh, 2019 third-round pick and a 2020 conditional sixth. Uh, this, to me, is fluff. I didn't even want to touch on this. Matt Goob is very passionate about Carl Hagelin, and I find that interesting because it was not a month ago that he was just raking me over the coals for even suggesting at the notion that the Flames should go after a guy like Derek Broussard because he had a great playoffs like two years ago. Ho-hum, 
Carl Hagelin, who is a dude who also had a great playoffs two years ago, also has a, great, a bad contract that his team doesn't want. Matt Goob's like, oh, yeah, give me some Carl Hagelin. So, Matt Goob, please explain yourself. Okay, so <laughs> this trade is not fluff. A, the Capitals are the defending cup champs, trading for a player who won two cups with Pittsburgh and was part of the HBK line that, like, the Benino, Kessel, Hagelin that was terrorizing teams yep. that won the first of the back-to-back cup runs. Right. I think speed and experience are two things that you can never have enough of. Mm-hmm. And a third round pick is like not very hefty price. True. And like, I guess the price is kind of right on Carl Hagelin, right? Because they retained some salary. The Kings retained half. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. So, I mean, like a third round pick, it doesn't really impact your cap situation this late in the season when you're only paying half. Yep. And like, I don't know. I guess my point being like, I guess I wouldn't hate if the Flames traded a third for Carl Hagelin. Mm-hmm. I wasn't pumping the table for it. I'm not disappointed that we didn't. Yeah. But like that type of player for that type of price, I actually really like. To me, I think the Flames already have a Carl Hagelin and they have Austin Zarnick and he can't find his way into the lineup consistently. So uh, in the interest of keeping that headache away from me, uh, I was out on Carl Hagelin and I'm glad they didn't get him. Cody, next trade. Uh, the next trade we were going to look at is uh, the uh, the Senators... Yep. Picking up uh, Abramov. Oh, Vitaly Abramov. Yeah. Oh, this is the Duchesne trade? Yeah. Abramov and Davidson, along with uh, 2019 and 2020 conditional first-round picks. Yep. Um, and Columbus, obviously, got Duchesne and Bergman. Okay, cool. So uh, this trade sticks out to me because I feel... Like, they got 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag for Matt Duchesne and this this Bergling guy, Bergman. So this Bergman dude apparently had some sort of pedigree. Right. Uh, and was part of the Carlson trade. I'm oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So this is the second time getting traded. So clearly teams see something in him. Yeah. I'm not sure what that thing is because I've never heard of him prior to him getting traded for a second time. Uh, this- Matt Duchesne is good. We all know Matt Duchesne is good. Very good. Yep. And then in terms of the Senators Hall... Uh, I remember in the wake of this trade, they're like, this Abramov guy is like the number 75 prospect in like whatever. So like he, he doesn't carry a lot of weight. He doesn't really get you. That really? Okay. Here. Yeah. This Davidson guy also kind of sucks. The The big get for the Senators is the conditional picks, which I know, Cody, we were talking about earlier. Uh, the Senators have a bajillion picks coming up. And so do the Kings, by the way. Yeah. For the record, the conditions aren't that difficult, if that makes sense. The, the one, the 2019 is just lottery protected. Yep. So if the Blue Jackets miss the playoffs and then win the draft lottery, yep, they still get it. They keep it and then it slides. But presuming that's not going to happen because the Jackets are several Sick. points in a playoff spot. Yeah. That they're going to get a first. And if they re-sign Duchesne, they get a, a second first round from 2020 goes mm-hmm. to the Sens. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, presumably this Duchesne is going to replace Panarin, I think. Yep. So they're actively going to try and re-sign him. They have cap room to do so. So two first round picks for Matt Duchesne. I feel like that's like a steep price. Do you? But, uh, I don't know. Two first for two maybe first right for Matt right. Duchesne, who is kind of a pain in the ass, which we've learned from him also being traded twice in like three years. So I'm not. I don't know. Didn't he resign though? I thought no, no, he didn't. Okay, not yet. Uh, sorry. One more thing I want to touch on about this trade. I saw a funny thing on Twitter that I thought was really kind of profound. Was four quarters don't make a dollar. Right, I think the Senators got four quarters, you two know? first round picks, maybe two first round picks, Matthew. Well, for sure one, 
if the lottery protected pick, like if that has to come into effect, then yeah. they get the 2020 pick. Right. So that's like guaranteed a first rounder. Okay. And then if they re-sign Duchesne, which I like think would be stupid to trade a first round pick and these players for a guy that you don't You plan- don't think is a realistic shot of you signing. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah. When was the last player that got traded for two, for two first rounders in the NHL? I don't know. I can't think of one either. <laughs> so I guess, yeah. I don't think the Senators did bad in getting this haul for Duchesne. I actually don't hate it from the Blue Jackets side either. Yeah. Because they're going for it. They're kind of the... Yeah, they're like, by everyone's keep, leaving us. We got to fucking Yeah, shoot. by yeah. keeping Panarin and keeping Bobrovsky at the deadline, you're clearly going all in. Mm-hmm. So if that costs you two first round picks, I don't hate it. For a team that doesn't go all in like very, very often, often slash ever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair, I guess. I just thought, it was, uh, yeah. Hey, I think this this trade is uh, inspiring to me, or, or I guess it's still some confidence in me as a Flames fan, because I'm like, if Duchesne can be had for this, like, if, like, it's, like, if we give up, I don't know, fucking Dylan Dubé and, I don't know. And two firsts for Matt Duchesne? Two conditional firsts? Yeah. One that's lottery protected. So this, if this exact trade, right? Yeah. Uh, If we do this, I'm totally okay with this for Mark Stone. Interesting. They don't affect their actual on-roster players at all. Correct. All they're doing is mortgaging the future, maybe, for what might be a bad first-round pick. And then, in the very worst, if they somehow miss the playoffs, they still get, like, their generational guy. That, to me, seems like a good hedge. Yeah. No, I don't hate it either. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd like to see the Flames do that. I don't know. Two firsts seems steep, I guess. It's not two firsts. It's one first, probably... And one maybe. Okay, I'll say this though: if we traded a first for a rental who doesn't re-sign, I don't like that. I yeah. think we should be more forward-thinking than that. I agree with that. So that's why I'm thinking two firsts because if we trade for Mark Stone. We are we should re-sign Mark Stone. Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Next one up is uh, the Capitals trading uh, Madison Bowie and a 2020 second-round pick to the Red Wings. For Nick Jensen and a 2019 fifth round pick. Okay, if you told me prior to the show that I was going to be talking about Madison Bowie, I would have thought we were talking about like David Bowie's widow or something. But apparently, Matt Goop has this giant throbbing erection for this trade too. So talk to me. I did want to talk about this really quick because last year the Capitals made a very similar trade for Michael Kempney, who I had never heard of until the trade deadline last year. But he is like really good defenseman that's still on the team, and I just like I. Would, I want to make everyone aware of Nick Jensen because if he turns out to be sweet, like what are the Capitals doing that like anyone else in the league is not? Well, I mean, it's funny because the recency bias is pretty high here because it wasn't that long ago that we were raking the Capitals over the coals for trading Philip Forsberg from Martin Erat. Right. And they were still coupless and Ovi was still like, you know, right. history's greatest loser or whatever the fuck. Uh, you know, obviously with the advent of hindsight now they've won a Stanley Cup. You know, they look like a great organization again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not to poke holes in this and Carl Haglin, but I don't know. This one doesn't really stick out for me. I just wanted our listeners to be aware. So Nick Jensen has 15 points in 60 games. Very pedestrian numbers. He's yeah. 28 years old. He's not like a kid with upside. Mm-hmm. But I like have this weird feeling that in the playoffs, he's going to be like a key cog in sure. the caps. And if there's an organization recently that you're like, they might know something, it's probably the Stanley Cup champs, right? Right. Yeah. And a second round pick, like that's pretty steep for a defenseman. Half our listeners probably have never heard of. True. Like I had heard of Nick Jensen, but if you asked me like if he was tall, short, black, white, like I have no clue. I would have thought Nick Jensen was like a dude I went to high school with. Right. If you just came in here, like we we're talking about Nick Jensen. I'm like, oh God, I hope he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Which one's he again? 
So we're gonna sat behind him in biology. If you're doing like a <laughs> playoff pool and you have like one dollar left oh, at the very end, God. flyer on Nick Jensen. Just saying. Don't listen to Matt Goob in terms of anything fantasy related at all. Oh wow. Next. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next one up is uh, a follow-up trade between the Sens and the Blue Jackets with uh, Anthony Duclair going to Ottawa along with. Uh, 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick and the Jackets getting Ryan Dezingle and a 2019 seventh round pick from us of all teams let's go the Nick Shore seventh round pick. yes yes we had to dig back to find out where, where that came from see this is flames related truly uh Anthony Duclair another dude who bounces from team to team right he used to have pedigree was, he was it the world juniors when he was like he was sick in the world juniors yeah which, by the way, if we have learned anything from the Curtis Lazar experience, is that <laughs> if you were sick in the World Juniors, teams will take a chance on you. So, uh, Duclair was with Phoenix, the Chicago, then the Rangers, then the Blue Jackets. Now he's on the Senators. He's, like, tall. He's got a wicked shot. Do you, like, why Why does he keep getting traded? Man, he's 5'11". He's not that tall. Wow, I thought he was tall. I don't know. Maybe just, like, is he's, skinny? Is that it, maybe? I don't know. I think he's going to be, like, a Blake Como. Like, just a dude, but for somehow, like, just a dude that's going to play 18 years in the league. You know yeah. what I mean? Everyone's going to take a shot on him. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, the hall here is two second rounders, I think, yeah. for Dezingle and, like, a flyer on Duclair, I and guess. And if everything goes well for the Senators, you get four picks from Duchesne and Dezingle already. That's probably, that's like, pretty good. a good haul. Yeah. And for and what then, it's worth, I think Ryan Dezingle is really good. Yep. I think he's, like, a like just because Ottawa's been so terrible, I think... Other players, like players on the team that are good, get mm-hmm. this like stink of like, oh, he's a center, they must be shit. Yeah, and like he's sweet. I think he's gonna do really well in the Blue Jackets. I agree. I actually think he's good. I watched a couple Senators games by fucking accident because I'm a degenerate gambler, <laughs> and so I bet on hockey games. Yeah, uh, and so I've seen Dzingel play a little bit. He's he's definitely okay. He's, he's I uh, I picked him up on my fantasy team, thinking like. He just like plays on Sunday night and I needed like to hail Mary. Yeah. And like he's been on my team ever since because he's like a really good scorer. He has 44 points in 57 games this year, 22 yeah. goals. Yeah. He might sniff 30 if he gets like red hot. Those here. are like yeah. real stats. Yeah, yeah. For real. So, uh, anyways, I guess let's do the same analysis. Anthony Duclair, who's the Flames equivalent of that? Anthony Duclair? Uh, Alan Quine. So Alan, no way. Alan no. Quine in two, sec- two was, seconds for Ryan Dezingle. I was going to say Duclair's like a Mark Jankowski. But Janko is like an everyday NHLer. Duclair- so is Duclair. Duclair's been in the league like every day for four years. He's a legitimate roster player. And Anthony Duclair is probably going to play top line minutes tonight. Because they have nobody in Ottawa. True. You know? So if, 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 if that's your comp, I don't, I would not do this trade. Mark Janko Jankowski in two seconds. two seconds for Dzingel. No. Yeah. I have long-term plans for Jankowski on the Flames. Yeah, I know you love him. I do. Everyone <laughs> has had long-term plans. <laughs> <laughs> the longest term plan. Two years away from being two years away. Let's go. Man. Yeah. I don't know if there are short-term plans with Jankowski. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's always got to be that long-term That dude with him. loves commitment. Yeah. Okay. But so flip it. Jankowski in two seconds for Ryan Dzingel. Do you do that trade? Really? I think oh. about it. The thing about the Flames is there's a bunch of converted centers that play wing. Yeah. So in a in a pinch, you could, if you need a new third line center, like Derek Ryan's playing fucking sweet, like you could just move over Sam Bennett. He could play some center. L- Lindholm was a center his entire like four years prior to being here. Yeah. Like there's just a million, like I'm not that worried about a depth center. Uh, yeah, and true. I think Jan Kelsey is kind of limited. 
uh, because he is already like 25 or 26. Like he's as old as us. Like I'm 24, not sure. I think. 24. But he gets better like every month. That is true. I will say to Jankowski's credit, when he was drafted, and I know press and company included here, we were all so down on him. Right. We're like, oh my God. You know, he was running, the pick <laughs> right before Oli Mata, who like was really sweet as like a 20, 21 year old in yeah. Pittsburgh. Oh my God. I'm so, Cody, you, you're going to have to do something about that voice crack there. <laughs> Can't save you on that one. <laughs> Just hang you Just out. Just have to dry. wear it. And let's keep drawing attention to it too. Fuck. Uh, so. But now, Jank- Oli, like, I guess Oli Mata is like not that good anymore. And Jankowski, I think, is like really strong. He's pretty decent. Jankowski's going to have a long career because he's tall and can play center. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of the equivalent in baseball if you're left-handed. Yeah. He'll just play baseball forever. Uh, but Jankowski, when he was drafted, we were all so fucking down on him. We're like, who is this guy from a high school out of Quebec? Yeah. You know, and they're like, okay, he's not going to make the team next year. He's not going to make the team the year after that. You're going to have to wait on Jankowski. And sure enough, like the guy's gotten a little better every single year to the point where he is like an integral part of this team. He plays special teams. They trust him a lot. That third line is doing okay. Totally. I yeah. think from last season to this season was a huge jump. And from like October to February has mm-hmm. been like a huge jump. So I think selling now on him would be a mistake. Yeah. To me, like I'm not sure how much better he's going to get, but every year he's gotten a little bit better. And that's, yeah. I guess that is a good sign. Uh, okay. What else we got? Uh, the last one we were going to talk about was um, the Rangers okay. trading uh, Matt Zuccarello to the Stars. Uh, for a 2019 conditional second and a 2020 conditional third. Uh, okay, the conditional picks are fucking going everywhere these days. I know. Yeah. The second rounder becomes a first if the Stars make it to the conference final. And then the third round pick becomes a first if they re-sign Zuccarello. So it's a second or third base, but could be two firsts. Okay. Again. Yep. Uh, we I, were in on Zuccarello for, as a flame candidate. That's right. Are you, like, disappointed? Would you have traded this pick haul? There's no players that went the other way, so it's purely draft picks. Mm-hmm. Would you have traded these picks for Matt Zuccarello? Yes, know. especially because they retained some salary. That, uh, that gets me horny, especially because the Flames were right up against it. I think that's going to be a big impediment in the last trade that we will discuss, that being the Mark Stone one. I think, like, that's that's a move I would have liked the Flames to do. I think, And I think the Rangers would have loved that a lot more because I think the Flames have a better chance of making the third round than the Stars do. I would agree with that statement, but yep. also like, I think we have an easy path to the conference final, easier than any other like route. Yep. And I and if I, as I said, if we trade for guys, I want to resign them. I'm not interested in rentals. Okay. So that if both those things come true, yep. that's two first rounders for Matt Zuccarello. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I think guess. that's too much. Yeah, that might be too much. And I was big on Zuccarello. He's sweet. He's fast. He's two way player. Cool last name. That like, matters to me. He's uh. <laughs> Is it Swiss? He's something Norwegian. Isn't Norwegian, he? thank you. Yeah. yeah, I love like goofy Europeans. Yeah, too. he was Matt Zuccarello Austin, and then ditched the the last. Really? Thing. Yep. Yeah, you sure was. Wow, that's a fun fact. Yep. But anyways, my point being, I really wanted this player. I don't think I would pay this price for him. Fair. Uh, I'm a little more bullish on him than Matt Kubis, but I agree with you know the perspective of potentially giving up two first rounders. Yeah. A little rich for my blood, but if it was a second and third, maybe one of those is conditional. Right. Uh, I'd probably be more inclined to do I so. I will say this, that assuming that Zucker, like you don't re-sign him and give up a first unless you really like him, mm-hmm. if he hits free agency, I think the Flames go back in on him. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, 
quick question revolving the Rangers and the dudes that they're trying to offload. Right. So they had the the three names that were brought up a lot were Zuccarello, who is now gone. Right. Chris Kreider. Right. And uh, Kevin Hayes. Mm-hmm. So between those three guys, if you were to tier them, like say Zuccarello's the best, Kreider's the second best, Hayes the third best, and you kind of have the barometer that way, like it costs two first for Zuccarello. Right. Say, you know, Kreider is like the mid-tier. Say it's like a conditional first. Right. And, and like a roster player, right? And then Kevin Hayes is whatever is less than that. Which one are you like most comfortable giving up shit for? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. Which, which price tier are we looking at? I think the Chris Kreider price tier. He has one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. So even if we don't re-sign him, it's not a pure rental. We get one more year. He, uh, I don't know, Kevin Hayes. I just have this bad feeling. He's big and he played college hockey with Gaudreau. Yep. And I think those two things have proven in the past to be terrible in- indicators of success on the flames. Right. Yep. Go Bill Arnold. Bill Arnold was big and played ho- college hockey with Gaudreau and he's terrible. Right. Yep. And other guys we've signed just because they're big have been terrible. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is like a trap trade yeah that oh man kevin hayes for a second like that's sweet he, he's gonna play so well with johnny like he's not gonna go on that line right like he's gonna be our fourth line yeah you know what i mean i think there is something to be said about having a locker room full of dudes that like each other and go to war for each other so i think in the playoffs especially you're also trading for that intangibles like johnny Gaudreau uh. is not gonna be beefing with kevin hayes also it's not like kevin hayes is a bad player he has some pedigree he's a good player I feel like we've had bad success on trying to sign and pay for intangibles as well, right? That's Tro- true. Troy Brower won a cup in Chicago. We need guys with cups. Troy Brower stinks. Yeah. James Neal. Like he's yeah. in the Stanley Cup every year. We need James Neal. He's bad. Uh, okay. That's fair. Uh, point made. Kevin Hayes has 42 points in 51 games. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I don't, I don't think he's a bad player. He's going to uh, beat his total from last year in like 20 less games. But like, okay, so let's say we trade for Kevin Hayes and no roster players go the other way. Yeah. Where does he play in the lineup? Kevin Hayes? Yeah. Uh, I would probably slot him. Wait, that's actually true. It's it's pretty crowded, but I think you could put him on that third line and then demote Jankowski and then, I don't know, maybe like sit Hathaway. I don't know. So if you demote Jankowski, he's so your fourth line Ryan. center. But Derek Ryan's our best face-off guy. Right, but you could... You could teach a dog to play wing. Like, that's that's the way that works, right? Is You can put a center on the wing, but you can't put a wing on the center. I feel like we have a depth, like a, a breadth of riches at center. And other teams don't, which means they'll be willing to pay lots, mm-hmm. which makes me nervous about the price for Kevin Hayes okay. when we don't really need him. You know I, what I mean? I don't think, for the record, I don't think you'd be able to get Kevin Hayes or Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider, to me, by the way, is the one that I want the most. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, I think both those guys, you can't do a deal without giving up a roster player. Interesting. I don't think. Yeah. So... So Chris, especially being the flames where you're right up against the cap, they're going to want to get rid of a roster player. So let's throw out. We get Chris Kreider and the Rangers get a James Neal second. And we eat some salary. Stop. Come on. <laughs> a second round pick and Oliver Shillington. Do you do that trade? I don't do that trade. I think Oliver, I've been very vocal about this off air. I think you want to keep Valimaki, Anderson and Shillington. Really? Because I think when the expansion draft happens, Hamannick or Brody are going to be gone, but all three of those dudes are safe. So I think they're our most valuable trade chips, though. I think the return for a Shillington, and I think he's the guy. I think Val Mackey's too good to trade. Anderson's on our roster right now, and you don't want to make your team worse for this playoff. He's color. playing on the top pair with Mark Jordano. You're not moving Anderson anywhere. I agree. Yeah. So Shillington is the guy, and I think his return is like quite high. Yep. And I don't think he'll be an impact player this year in the Cup. 
in the Stanley Cup final or the Stanley Cup playoffs. One thing we should try to not lose sight of is the fact that this is a first place team and has been basically wire to wire. Yeah. Like they're fucking good. So you don't want to really mess with a good thing. And I think, uh, I mean, Mark Stone really, to me, and I guess this transitions nicely into the last little bit of the segment, sure. is the only thing I'm really, really that interested in. And even that I'm like not crazy about because I know the investment to get Mark Stone is going to be astronomical and could very well uh, be a net negative for the Flames. This is kind of why we wanted to do the trades leading up to the Mark Stone discussion. Because for those of you who haven't heard, like that's the big link is that the Flames are in Ottawa tonight. The GMs are probably having dinner. Like, yep. And the Senators traded with the Blue Jackets the night of, of they, trade, yeah. they're playing each other. Yep. But Duchesne for a first and a half, let's call it. Sure. That's like the baseline, I think, for Mark mm-hmm. Stone. I think he's more valuable. He's a better two-way player. Mark Stone was getting selkie talk at the start of the year when the Sens were kind of like magically okay yep. before they became awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's two-way player, big, plays on the wing, scores goals, which is like worth more than points right. at the deadline, I think. Like, I don't know, two first-rounders for Mark Stone is, I think, like a pretty standard middle of the road offer. I just think there's a lot of moving pieces in that whatever you offer Mark Stone, like you we're doing so uh with the intention of resigning Mark Stone. Correct. He's not a rental. So if you want to resign Mark Stone, you have to think like he's going to get fucking paid. And you have yep. to pay Kachuk and you have to pay Bennett and you have to pay Riddich, which we've all talked about Correct. previously. So with that on the back burner, it wouldn't hurt you to have a couple cheap contracts in all of your like great Swedish cheap dudes. Right. Right? Uh so I I just can't really talk myself into, you know, with the investment of what we have to give up to acquire Marstone, plus what it might mean for signing our already in-house dudes for a team that, as I mentioned, has been wire-to-wire first place. I know. I'm not crazy. I'm not uh, about that idea. I, uh, I unfortunately agree, which I don't want to because I think Mark Stone fits like a need for us in mm-hmm. like a way that no other player in the league does. Yep but we can't afford to re-sign him. We have right now 13 and a bit million dollars of cap room next year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can fit Kachuk and Stone under that, let alone re-sign the Bennett Bennett's and two goalies. two goalies. That's right. And if you send salary out the door, that A, makes your on-ice team worse, right? If we send- At least presumably. That's why the, the skeleton trade I had, and everyone is like so quick to poo-poo it, was James Neal... Because poop. they have, poo-poo. they have, poo-poo. they have to hit the cap floor, Matthew. It's the fucking rules. You have to feel the team. So you send James Neal to Ottawa, who is a fucking household name, who you can. It man, we agree the Senators are a bad organization. They're fucking dumb. Maybe Bradtree Living can be like real slick with it and sell him on. Oh, he's just buried on the depth chart. We're not utilizing him properly. Maybe the Senators think they're kind of smart. They take a shot on James Neal. You could even keep a little bit of James Neal's salary. I bet you the Senators would be into that. In addition to that, you give up TJ Brody, who I am, uh, I already talked about earlier. You're probably going to lose either him or Hamannick in the expansion draft. And then with that, you tie in a first-round pick. That seems like a lot. They're going to get a roster forward, a guy who's probably in their top six, probably their top three. They're going to get uh, TJ Brody, who's definitely the second-best defenseman there, and they're going to get a first-round pick, which will probably be 31 but that's okay with me. You have nine dollars leaving the salary, nine million dollars leaving out that way, right. right? And that puts you at twenty-two. You can definitely sign two max dudes with like Kachuk and Mark Stone, and you'll have a little bit left over. Sort out Riddich, Sam Bennett, and a backup goalie. Okay, so I, I, I'm gonna humor you. Okay, 
So the trade is James Neal, TJ Brody, and a first round pick. Yep. for Mark Stone. Yep. So I don't think they would are interested in James Neal, but we'll table that for now. Okay. Are you not concerned that trading Brody weakens your defense for a cup run this year? I do, but Rasmus Anderson has already shown the past couple of games, small sample size granted, that he's ready to play some big time minutes. Right. And he's playing well with Giordano. Furthermore, we've seen what happens when TJ Brody goes away from Mark Giordano. Let us not, you know, forget. The past couple of years, TJ Brody hasn't been attached to Geo's hip right. the way he has been this year, mm-hmm. and his play has suffered. There's some rumblings that there was some, uh, you know, personal life shit as to why he wasn't completely focused on hockey. I get that, right? Uh, but the fact of the matter is, we don't have a sample of TJ Brody being uh, good without Mark Giordano, so that doesn't worry me that much. On top of that, you have to presume that Valimaki is coming back soon. We've been hearing that kind of in the ethos for a little bit. And Michael Stone is also coming back. So he's not great, but he's a good depth defenseman. So if you have Anderson, Shillington, Valimaki in the lineup, Hamannick, Hannafin, who am I forgetting? Giordano. Giordano. There you go. I uh, I wouldn't be quick to assume that Valimaki will come back and immediately be ready to play every game of the playoffs. Right. He, it was an ankle injury, right? Yep. And though we know those are like weird. And like, I know me playing basketball at the YMCA have like mm-hmm. rolled my ankle and like months later, it yep. still like fucking hurts. And just we, really quick, I want to be clear. You're comparing yourself to NHL stud uh, Yusuf Alamaki. I think we have really similar uh, <laughs> ankle composition. That's right. Right. Um, but my point being that the playoffs are an absolute grind and that honestly, I bet you statistically one of our defensemen is going to miss like a round. That just yeah. like seems to happen to every team every year. Yeah. So I'd be remiss in trading defensive depth mm-hmm. to in a salary dump situation, like it's not like TJ Brody is like unplayable. He's no. a key part of our team. TJ Brody is really and good. Treating him like a salary dump, I don't think is an effective use of our assets. No, the way I look at it is like what you're giving Ottawa, right? Is like we're going to give you TJ Brody in a first for Mark Stone, which we think is like fair. But in order to like help us out, like here's some James Neal. In order to help us out. Yeah. Hey, you don't care about paying him 5.75 for the next four years. We just need to get rid of him. So like you're going to lose him for nothing. You're going to lose him for nothing. So here's a top four defenseman and a first. But they're not. It's not like they're going to lose Mark Stone. Like they're going to trade him somewhere. Right. Do you think so? I Are do. you you positive on that? You want to make a bet? They're going to trade him or sign him. I will bet you he doesn't walk out of Ottawa as a UFA. Man, that team is. It's funny because the Oilers are so fucking bad that they're even overshadowing this absolute disaster that is the Senators. Like, I don't, I think that organization is toxic, man. I don't, I don't think Mark Stone wants to be in Ottawa. You think that he's going to just walk away as UFA? Yes. Wow. If they don't trade him, yes. Okay, we should make some sort of bet. Cody, what's like a good, like, on-air, like, some sort of punishment? Like, you have to, like... I don't know. Hey, how about loser has to shave their head? What do you think? Wow, that's cheating. <laughs> I don't okay, know, we'll, come, we'll come up with something. Maybe we'll make that a poll. Like, what sure. should, what should the loser of this bet do? I was just gonna say that. Yeah, that's smart. Nice. So I will, I will bet you yeah. that Mark Stone either gets traded yeah. by tomorrow at one p.m. Okay, or resigns with Ottawa and stays there. Resigns with Ottawa before July first, or is that like how do we? Okay, if uh, Mark Stone is suiting up for a different team that he was not traded to next year, we have to do something. Is that fair? I feel like I, we should do something short term. Short term? Well, the the only way we can really find out is like next year. 
right? Yeah, true. That's the thing. Maybe we'll reopen this. Here, I'll just bet you a beer. I'll bet okay. you a beer that he's not. He's either a senator. Do you want to do it this way? It's like, if he's a senator uh, at Monday by 101, then I win the bet. If he's traded, then you win the bet. That's the only like short-term one that works. Sure. Okay. I think, here, I'll do this. I think Mark Stone will not be a senator or a flame tomorrow after the, at 101 p.m. Okay, if he is not a, a senator or a flame tomorrow at 101, I win the bet. Yeah. Okay, deal. I think he goes and signs somewhere else. Okay, okay, fair. There you go. You do think he signs somewhere else, which is my point. But like, I guess traded, he'll be traded to <laughs> this sign This is the worst. Else. Okay, we'll sort this out off the air. Okay. Uh, okay, so Mark Stone. Anything else you want to touch about Mark Stone? Uh, not about Mark Stone. Are there any other players? We had talked about Jakob Silverberg as another trade candidate, yeah. and he signed a five by five in Anaheim. I think that's a good deal for I him. I think that's a huge overpay. I man, I think he's good. I think he's really good, and I think uh, he's going to play some big time minutes now that like Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff for corpses. I think that's like paying five by five for Michael Froelich. Froelich gets paid four and a half. I know, but is he not maybe getting worse and like probably not worth a five by five today? I don't agree with that. I think Michael Froelich's really good. I think he's going to score 20 goals, like being a healthy scratched all the time, being a depth forward that plays like 12 minutes a night. Really? If you, if he was a pending UFA, you'd be like, we should ink him to a five year, 5 million per extension. Not if I'm the Calgary Flames, because we're sick. If I'm the Anaheim Ducks and everyone's shitty and they can't get goals anywhere and you're going to de- deploy Michael for like 20 minutes a night, give him offensive zone starts, lots of power play time. Yeah, I'm kind of into that. That's wild. I think this contract can be terrible. Okay. But I also have another point that last lockout, because you're kind of the length of contracts gets juggled by a lockout year, they gave compliance buyouts Okay. where you can buy out players that don't count against the salary cap. And mm-hmm. I think lots of teams are handing out huge deals with fully like knowing, knowing that, in the back that you have you're gonna like because we're coming up to the end of the cba yeah that you like are maybe entering another compliance buyout window so mm-hmm. like guys like james neal or like right yeah dudes getting like eight million bucks that aren't that good but the team's like we'll get three years out of him and then we can buy him out and it doesn't hurt our salary cap for like 11 seasons right for sure okay uh last thing it wouldn't be a scene red podcast if i didn't ask you like what the fuck do you do with james neal but you don't you don't think we can trade him no he's hurt right now I think he's, so do you the lineup is the flames are fucking scorching they're killing it right now with no james neal he doesn't fit on the team what do you do with james neal when he comes back play Sarnik is playing well manjapani is playing well hathaway is playing well which of these depth guys are you gonna glue to the fucking press box for james neal garnet hathaway but I also like as I like Zarnik, but I don't think he plays every game in the playoffs, right? I think those dudes rotate. I don't think Neil sits. I think he's a guy that plays on a third. That Jankowski Bennett Neil line was so good before he got hurt. I would be careful with throwing around so good to describe anything around James Neal. But I agree, they were competent, and I think they were competent in spite of James Neal being bad. And so I'm kind of I don't know, man. Do you do you glue him to the bench to the press box when he's healthy? Send a fucking message, James Neal. Yeah, no. It's like you have to be good enough to make this fucking team. He is. He's not. By what metric is he good enough? Every metric that's not dollar per point, right? <laughs> I just like. I think he's better than our thirteenth best forward. He might be tenth, but that deserves a <laughs> roster spot. What? <laughs> okay. All right, man. We're just not gonna see eye to eye on this. That's okay. All right. uh, Thank you for listening to the Seeing Red podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week with more of this. And hopefully by then we've uh, sorted out this James Neal thing.